Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey folks, welcome to another edition of Dog Walk Talk. As always, I'm your host, Jake Roos from Dogs HQ, and with me, also from Dogs HQ, Team B Rider, Palmer Toms. PT, what's good, brother? Doing well. Just got back into Athens from Music City. It, it was a fun trip up there and uh, exciting game to watch for the first quarter, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I, it didn't last much longer than that. Uh, after that, Georgia kind of got into them like Palmer Toms get into those uh, Broadway bars down there in Nashville. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I know that you, uh, you're you recovering, so we'll probably try to make this one a little quicker uh, episode than normal. Game breakdown, look, what can you say, right? I mean, they step, they stomped a mud hole into them. Uh, it, it, it was carnage. It was a ravishing. It was uh, they, they, they went into their village and pillaged them. Uh, they took their women and children with no regard for, for human life. Anything you want to say, that's what Georgia did. And they had their way on Saturday against Vanderbilt. I, I guess, Palmer, coming away from this, do you feel like there's anything you can learn about Georgia out of this? There's there's so Vanderbilt was clearly so overmatched that I think that it's hard to over or it's hard to take much away from this. It may well have been the worst opponent Georgia's played to this point, and it might be the worst opponent Georgia will play all season. I mean, I, I know we were having that discussion that uh, you know once Charleston Southern rolls around, we may have to bring that conversation back up, but you know. I, I think I'm with you. I, I think it's hard to take a lot away from this game. Georgia handled their business that first quarter, especially they did what they did, what you would expect the number team to number two team to do to Vanderbilt. Um, you know, this, this Vanderbilt team is, is a team that didn't win a game in all of 2020 in their last 18 tries against an sec opponent. They've won just one. And, and so, you know, it, it's really tough to, uh, you know, take much away from this. I, obviously, the scoreboard looks great, 62 to nothing. I, I think uh, – I believe it was 60 to nothing for Alabama a couple years ago when they played uh, – when they rolled into Nashville and played Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, LSU had a, a little bit closer of a game in their 2019 championship season. So, you know, if, if you're Georgia and, and you're looking at what the, you know, precedent has been set by, you know – by these previous teams, you, you got to feel good about yourself. But, you know, I think it's also tough to take a lot away from, uh, you know, first year head coach for, you know, a program that is in a complete rebuild 62 to nothing. Uh, Georgia was on them really quickly. And, uh, you know, I, I think individually there's guys that you come away from this game impressed with Brock Bowers, Lad McConkey. I'm, I'm sure we'll dig into the ways that the Todd Munkin is starting to use those guys. Uh, but but I think overall as a team, you know, they, they did what you would expect them to do. <laughs> it's uh, poor Vanderbilt, man. Yeah, you're over here using them as like a predictor of, of potential national championship success. How bad can you beat them that is how far you can go, perhaps. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I think the story of the game, Brock Bowers, 
continues what is one of the greatest tears I've seen out of a freshman since I've been keeping up with the team. No question about it. Um, I even wrote in my three keys after the game, uh, my God, a freshman tied in uh, a throwback to Larry Munson there. I mean, this kid is. Which they gave. Plenty of credit to Larry Munson on during that TV broadcast. Uh, yeah, they, they absolutely did. They absolutely, I, and I, it's like I said, too, it was like the I, I think they didn't even get out of the first quarter before they were eating donuts in the booth. So <laughs> it, it got out of hand really fast for everybody. They were searching for something to talk about, but there wasn't a lot on that in the game to talk about. Players of the game, I think that you probably mentioned the two that come to mind, um, you know, most easily. Brock Bowers, like I said, on this massive tear, just continuing to do what he does. Who knows if anybody's going to be able to stop him. He's going to get his best challenge this week against uh, Arkansas and a Barry Odom coach defense. I mean, they've they've been playing well in that regard. Uh, But, look, anybody who's tasked with stopping this kid has a tough thing in in front of him. Lad McConkey, also a huge game for him. JT Daniels, I thought played exceptionally well in just in terms of how efficient he was. He's out of there. He's in and out. Bingo, bango. I mean, he, he's done by the half. He's able to save those hits. He's not taking shots, you know, getting ready for this next stretch. Um, anybody else who kind of caught your eye out there? I, I thought that, you know, defensively, this was perhaps Georgia's best team effort that we've seen to this point. Uh, I think I counted something like 24 Bulldogs registered to tackle in this game. Yeah, just to add on to what you said about ours and Lad McConkey. I thought it was really impressive to see, you know, and, and you were in the same meetings that I was in in preseason, you know, listening to Todd Munkin and, and the way that he said that they felt comfortable using Brock Bowers. He mentioned that giving it the ball to him on a speed sweep. We hadn't seen it to date, you know, until Saturday. And, and as soon as they said, you know, plays, as soon as the play happened, I said, hey, there's there's the you know credit to Todd Munkin. He told us that was going to happen, and and he came to follow through on his promise. Uh, defensively, I, I look at Jalen Carter. Um, you know, I, I think he had a great game. Was was constantly in the face of the quarterback. You know, the Vanderbilt stats have have one QB pressure for him. I would probably give him credit for a couple more than that. And, and I know Georgia with their uh, focus and emphasis on havoc. They're probably going to give him a couple more than that, uh, but he he was a disruptive force. I you know I think the highlight reel for him came on that first drive, third down. He he just throws the offensive lineman off of him and uh, and and you know made the tackle right at the line of scrimmage potentially for a loss there. Um, he he had a great day. It was it was tied for the team high in tackles? But like you said, I I do think this was a really all around well-rounded team performance, uh, especially on defense. Um, you did more than I did with the counting, but, you know, just pulling it up, I see a lot of guys there and, and several that, that were tied for that team high with three, Nolan Smith, Nicobe Dean, Robert Beal, who also had a great game, the, the lone sack for Georgia. Um, you know, I, I think that's interesting to look at, that, that Georgia didn't put up the sack totals that they might have expected to, that, that we certainly expected them to. Okay. Uh, we, I mean, we set that line at three. And I said, I think Georgia could get three on anybody. Now, did they put the same kind of pressure that they put on these other teams? Probably not. You know, they, 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 they're, they're hiding a little bit there. Uh, but but Beal comes up with a lone sack. Latavius Brini, Jalen Carter, like I mentioned, Tramel Walthour, all of those guys had three tackles. So, you know, overall, uh, just a well-rounded team performance. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I think 
you know, going back to the stat sheet and, and the tackles for loss, uh, you know, Nolan Smith with one. He, he's been a really impressive guy so far this season. I guess we're, you know, a, a third of the way through the regular season. He, I, I named him my, uh, my defensive MVP there. Uh, Brock Bowers gets the obvious offensive one. And, and so, you know, we're through the month of September. I had a great piece up on that. Uh, over at Dogs HQ, and uh, you know, really encourage y'all to go check that one out. But you know, I, I don't know that there's a ton you can learn from from a 62 to nothing win for the do- for the dogs over the doors. Yeah, I mean, well, one of the things though that you did talk about there, and I think we should touch on briefly, is uh, you know Georgia not getting to the the quarterback as much as we expected. I was just surprised by that. I just thought it was. Interesting. Now, look, Vanderbilt was a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest, all right? I mean, they had no chance. It was impossible to do what they wanted to do. So, like you said, maybe, I mean, Georgia didn't really have to bring that pressure. They didn't have to affect them uh, like they did Clemson. Uh, You know, you didn't have to be as concerned about that in this one. But it's a situation still where I was surprised by that because I thought Vanderbilt's line was probably the worst Georgia had played to this point. I mean, you could say whatever you want about UAB. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that that's necessarily a strength for them uh, either. But, you know, this seemed like a, a susceptible offensive line for them to be getting in there and registering those sack totals, bringing that up. I was surprised Adam Anderson didn't get on the board. It's not like they didn't affect uh, Ken Seals and Mike Wright. They they were all over those guys. I mean, they knew that if they had any shot, it was to get rid of that ball faster. But again, like I said, just a little bit of a surprise to me. I, I thought that the sack total would be a little higher. I thought they'd be able to kind of continue that run. Well, and 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 one thing I'll add in there, the the move from Ken Seals to Mike Wright, uh, you know, really limited Vanderbilt in terms of what they were to do passing the ball. You know, Wright was was much more of a rusher, led Vanderbilt in in rushing attempts with eight there. Uh, you know, the, both those guys threw nine passes. So, you know, the, the move from Seals to Wright early in that game really, you know, kind of limited those opportunities for Georgia to get after the quarterback. And, and then, you know, with Adam Anderson there. He is, you know, it, it wasn't like he was playing at the time. I mean, he, he's not showing up on the stat sheet here making a tackle or anything. Jordan Davis said after the game he played, what, nine snaps, something like that. So, you know, it, it was a situation where a lot of these younger guys got opportunities. And, and if you look at the stat sheet, it shows that, you know, all up and down the stat sheet, you're seeing guys that, that haven't necessarily been called upon to make a huge impact, making one Saturday again against Vanderbilt, um, you know, given the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, Seals was definitely, uh, you know, uh, listen, Mike Wright's a good player. I saw him in high school. He's a he's a he's a capable guy. But you had your best chance with Ken Seals in there. And once he goes out, I almost said it went from bad to worse. It went from worse to uh, inexplicably terrible, uh, unfortunately, for Vanderbilt. They couldn't afford to lose anybody out of their starting lineup, especially the quarterback at that position. So, um, you know, like I said, just a, just a little interesting note. Will be interesting to see how uh, Georgia approaches the uh, uh, affecting the quarterback this week, and if it's a little bit more of that havoc that they need to create. Um, 
one of the things that I kept hearing the refrain be on Twitter was still about, you know, rushing concerns. Uh, People still are looking for that hundred yard game out of a running back. They're looking for somebody to get out there and and really just take over, bust some big chunk plays. You saw Brock Bowers on that sweep, which was like you said, uh, I mean, Todd Munkin out here giving away the state secrets. Vanderbilt got to tune into the, the, the the first season press, (laughs) the early season press conferences, apparently uh, to to get the, the full scoop. But I mean, coming out of this game and really coming out of September, I guess, as a whole, do you feel that there are rushing concerns for Georgia? Is that something that they've got to be concerned about? I would say if there was a concern for the Bulldogs, it would be running the ball. But, you know, once again, Georgia, you know, comes back and and increases their rushing total. They're up to 241 now. First game over 200 yards for the team as a team. Uh, You know, once again, not a big outstanding performance from any of these running backs, but once again, only one guy gets to 10 carries on the day, and, and that's Dejan Edwards, who, who was in there, you know, for the majority of the second half, getting the carries, especially with no Kendall Milton. I think that would be a concern. Uh, you know, obviously keeping an eye on his health. I will say he was out there at practice on Monday. So, you know, for it. If if this was not Vanderbilt, he's probably in there. If he's needed, he's probably in there. He made the trip, so um, he he could have probably could have gone had needed had had he been necessary. But uh, you know, I I don't know that that the rushing total is a concern. Um, I I get the fan take on it and and saying, well, hey, they haven't had one guy steal the show. Well, a lot of teams don't have four. Very, 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 very capable running backs. I mean, it's a situation where you've got to feed a lot of different mouths to keep them all happy and and to utilize all their skill sets, keep them all fresh, keep them all happy, and and utilize those skill sets. Like I said, so you know, Zamir White brings to the table a more physical running presence. James Cook probably brings the most versatile running presence of them, and and and, and Kenny McIntosh. Those two guys, very similar skill sets in their capability to to make plays in the passing game, uh, make plays in space. Kendall Milton, probably the the you know most all around back of them. He he hasn't shown uh, his receiving capability all too much. Uh, you know, his freshman season he only had one reception, but I think it went for twenty something yards. So you know, you get the ball in, in in two's hands. He's he's very capable of making a play. And, and you've seen Dejan Edwards here early in the season. Now, granted. Because of the opponents, he's probably getting a lot more carries than he would, uh, you know, when they start to shorten that rotation down a little bit and focus on some of these guys. I, I said it last week on our podcast, and I'll say it again here. I think once you get into this October stretch, you're going to see Georgia shorten that rotation down and and give some of these guys the carries that they deserve. They're going to feed Zeus. They're going to feed Zemir, uh, James Cook. And guys, guys that are very – you know, that they're going to lean on, they're going to lean on them more and more and more as, as the you know season goes along. And it's a way to wear some of these better teams down, uh, you know, versus some of the opponents that they've played so far. They're just able to out out athlete them and, and they haven't needed to, uh, you know, wear them down with the run game. So I, th- I think Georgia has very capable guys. Uh, you know, one thing that I did notice the, the move to move 
to put Jamari Salyer in at left guard and Broderick Jones in at left tackle. Broderick got a lot of work there at left tackle. It's it's a move that we've been mentioning for uh, you know several weeks now that, that we've been curious to see if it would happen. It happened, and they got some work with that first team doing that. Going to be very interesting to see if they uh, you know if they go to that look for good. You know, I, I, I don't know that that's their best. I, I think that's their most talented lineup. I don't know that that's the lineup that they feel most comfortable with right now. And, and it's just a matter of finding the balance of, of the comfort of the group, the unit, you know, the connection of that group and and the talent level of that group. So I, I don't know that the running game is, is a huge concern, but if there was one for Georgia offensively, it would be there. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what people are underestimating or, or maybe why it's hard to process is because you're so used to Georgia that being the bread and butter. I mean, that you're used to that guy being the guy and, and them having a guy who's taken over these games from the, ru- the running game. I think people just aren't giving enough credit to what they're doing through the air that it's just not as big of a necessity to this point. And like you said, I mean, I I do think they cut the the rotation down a little bit. Look to me, you're coming in with all that Dejan Edwards disrespect. I I don't even know where that's coming from. Maybe you got something against Colquitt County that I don't know about, but I think Edwards is a, I think he's a vital part of this. To me, he's the best receiver out of the backfield. I think that he is the guy that you can really rely on in that regard. Um, You know, James is good at that as well. Don't get me wrong. Kenny's very capable as well, but, but Dejan is, that's, that's really, I think his skill set. I think that that's the thing that he flourishes in. That's what we saw in high school. I think we saw some of that last year going through, practice and in the opportunities that he had as well so I don't know that they're able to to uh, to keep that kid off the field as much uh, as maybe some people think but like I said I just don't think people are giving enough credit to the passing game and the, the lack of necessity to have to get in there and ground it and pound it because it, it when Georgia's had to do that look at the end of that Clemson game they were able to make that happen when they needed to do it it's just not been a necessity to this point We'll find out this week. I think that it will be a little bit more of a necessity uh, as they move into Arkansas and the next stretch. They're going to have to probably get into some of those ground battles, and that'll be a key. Um, Now, uh, Vanderbilt in the books, right? Uh, Arkansas coming up next week. We'll talk more about that. Oh, one thing I did want to mention, make sure you get over to Dogs HQ. Check out the film review that we have with John Rick. He did an incredible job last week. This week, we're switching up the format a little bit, but I think people will be, I think people are really going to dig what we're doing. He was quick to point out, though, he said, listen, I know that those concerns are out there for Georgia fans when it comes to this running game. He said, but you got to understand the things they're doing are the right things to set this up for the long term. He said, those opportunities and those chunk plays, those will come because of what they've done to this point. The, The looks that they've given, the stages that they've set for guys, I mean, what they've shown on tape is all leading up to this these moves i think and that was that was sort of his point we'll have that out on tuesday at dogs hq make sure to get over and check it out because he does a fantastic job this week we got him on some some video it's a little change up from what we did last week but 
I just got done recording it and I was really blown away with it. I think it's going to be a really, really cool piece. Um, but Vanderbilt put away right in the books. Since we last met though, Georgia picked up a little commit and uh, not a little one, I should say. <laughs> in fact, uh, quite a large band in uh, Bo Hughley. Um, I'm the recruiting guy. So Palmer, let's turn hosting duties over to you. And now you pepper me with some questions. <laughs> hey, hey! you said you wouldn't do it again. So you, you, you're, you've opened the door here. But, you know, Jake, give us a little bit of a breakdown on Bo and, and his skill set. Like you said, far from a, uh, a little guy there, he, you know, coming in at what, six, seven at, at offensive tackle, 2023 offensive lineman. Uh, is he the first in that, in that first offensive lineman in that class? He is, um, yeah, yeah. When it give comes us, to- give us a little, give us a little bit of a breakdown on him. Yeah, so 2023. I mean, he starts the class off for you out of Langston Hughes, like you said, six foot seven, about 280 pounds. And really, to me, at this stage in his career, I, when I saw him on the field the other day, to me, he looks a lot closer to a guy like maybe Trayvon Walker in terms of build. He's long and he's big uh, and he's thick, but he, he's not that overwhelming size that you might expect from, from an offensive tackle. In that regard, to me, and even when you watch the tape, I think he reminds me a lot of Broderick Jones in high school, who uh, was number one tackle in America in his class. Uh, consensus five-star across the board, a guy who, who people just raved about, and rightfully so. I mean, he did everything right and had all the right film, all the right size. Bo Hewley, a guy who compares very favorably, I think, to Broderick Jones. Uh, similar build, in my opinion, similar aggression. That's the big thing that you see uh, when you go watch this kid's tape is, I mean, he's coming off the ball and he's not waiting for the man to get to him. He's the guy who's initiating contact. He's going in there and being aggressive. And that's what you love to see out of these offensive tackles. It's a, you know, it's a process for all these guys. He's not coming in in 11th grade with the polish that we saw from like Andrew Thomas and almost nobody is. I mean, that's, that's a really hard ask of anybody, but this is a kid who feels like he's still probably coming into his own as an offensive tackle. He's growing into that body. He's figuring that out. He's a basketball player, which I always think is really encouraging means he's got great feet. You see that on the tape as well. And additionally, I think that it's a situation with him where, you know, he may be a little thinner than what people are expecting, but the good news is it's almost, it's almost, almost always proven out that it's easier to add weight than it is to take it off. And so he's in a much better position in that regard. I think that this kid can play at like 300, 305, no problem. I mean, he's got the kind of the build to carry it uh, with ease. So a really strong start for the dogs when it comes to that uh, 2023 offensive line class, you got to you got to book and tackle. Uh, you can't ask for much more than that. An in-state guy, I mean, you know, just kind of raved about it too to Jeremy Johnson over at On Three. We had a great story uh, with him over at Dogs HQ, basically just saying like, "Hey, you know, what am I waiting for? You know, I, I knew I got the feeling. I knew I wanted to stay close to home. Uh, you know, Georgia just made all the sense in the world." Kudos to Matt Luke uh, for for reeling him in. Uh, You know, there's still some work to do in this 2022 offensive line class. Don't get me wrong. But 2023, off to a roaring start with Bo Hewley. A lot for people to be excited about in that pickup. Yeah, looking at that 2023 class, five commitments already. One of the top classes in the country. Uh, Marcus Washington, cornerback, Pierce Sperlin, tight end. Dequavius Sori, who is is the cousin of Xavier. That is correct. Uh, <clears throat> wide receiver and set on the defense 
along with Bo Hewley, who, uh, you know, outside of Hewley, since, since we've gotten a little bit of a preview on him, who I, I think I know the answer you're going to give based on the reaction I just said. But, uh, you know, who, uh, who excites you the most of those guys so far? Marcus Washington, without question, man. I mean, listen, the kid is ready-made for that position. He is what you draw when you draw a cornerback. I mean, a legitimate six foot two, 180 pounds, roughly, um, you know, all the speed in the world, great, great hip flip. And he's getting exceptional coaching by his defensive coordinator, who, by the way, is Marcus Washington Sr., former Georgia linebacker. So this is a guy who knows what it takes to play in Athens. The kid, you know, he grew up a bulldog. He's wanted to be a bulldog his whole life. He got the opportunity. I just think right now, if you're looking at that that list, he's the guy that strikes me as so exciting because of how important that cornerback position has become in the game and what high upside he has at that position. Now, listen, you know, all of those guys are players. Dequavius Sori, probably the guy I know the least about. I'll be honest with that, just because he's down there in Graceful. That's a little bit tucked away over there in the Florida Panhandle. Um, but I encourage people to go out and check out Pierce Sperlin uh, and this catch he made last week. He made a one hell of a grab and uh, somebody uh, commented under it and said, Hey, look, that's what George Pickens does. That ain't what a tight end does. So uh, the the tight end position looks to be in good hands moving forward, especially if they're able to uh, go ahead and close out Oscar Delp in this 2022 class, which I do feel good about still. Yeah, Georgia really recruiting that tight end position, getting some of those more athletic guys that you mentioned. Not necessarily the, the blocking tight end that you have come, become accustomed to seeing with Georgia being that ground and pound team and being able to spread it out a little bit more. You want to get some of those guys that can uh, spread it out as well. Looking at the 2023 class, you know, like you said, there's still a lot of work to be done on the 2022 class. Who are a couple of names that you would watch, uh, you know, in, in the 2023 class that, uh, you know, Georgia's in on early and, and, you know, Arch Manning, the obvious one, uh, I think, you know, so I, I'm not going to take that as an answer. Uh, you know, everyone's in on Arch, but, uh, you know, a couple of big names to uh, to watch in 2023 to see if, you know, how they perform this fall, if they make it to campus for Georgia uh, to see some games. There's already been some big names there, uh, you know, coming to the Classic City. Yeah, I, I'll tell you two right off the bat that, that really pop out in my mind. And, and that's, well, three, I'll give you. It, because the running back position in 2023 is pretty loaded. Now, Branson Robinson, Jordan James, that's a hell of a haul. I mean, in 2022, you got some studs there. But you got a chance in 2023 to really continue to add to that. I think they go two in this class and two in 2020, 2023. Um, because you've got Justice Haynes, who is one of the best backs in the nation, over there at Blessed Trinity, Veronica. Haynes' son. I think Georgia in a really good spot with him. Ohio State has impressed. Uh, you know, Clemson likes him as well. You know, he's got all the opportunities in the world. He can go wherever he wants, right? I think Georgia's biggest hurdle with him may be, you know, does the MLB come calling because he's he's a he's he's a one heck of a baseball player as well. Um, but I feel good about where Georgia stands with him. He's already been to campus once this year. Great relationship with Del McGee. Obviously, you know, it's a second home. He's said that uh, several times in regards to his recruitment. So uh, I I think Justice definitely got to watch out for Richard Young, another one, another running back in that 2023 class, a kid who can, man, do it all. You know, go look at the build of this kid. 
He's that prototypical back that everybody's searching for right now uh, in college football. Big, strong, physical, able to get out there, make all the plays, take a game over, really dominate from that running back position. Uh, Out of Lehigh down there in Florida, a kid that has been on the radar for a couple of years now and only continues to ascend. Hasn't made it to Georgia this year, uh, but unless they've snuck him in the back door, which is always a possibility, Ohio State really trending right there. It feels like with Richard Young. So Georgia probably some ground to make up when it comes to him. The third guy, though, that I want to mention is, is uh, Ruben Owens, the second. Um, you know, when you're talking about that running back position, this is a kid out of El Campo, Texas. Uh, a guy who is uh, one of the highest rated backs in this class. He's a top 40 player for on three in 2023. Made it to Georgia for that Georgia-South Carolina game. Uh, looked to be having a great time. I mean, I had a chance to catch up with him briefly afterwards. Said, you know, the love is there. I'm seeing what they're doing with these backs. I love that rotation. And that's another thing people need to keep in mind about this running game. Everybody's getting fed. And that's something that appeals to all these kids. They all want to be uh, having their opportunities as well. Ruben Owens took notice of that when he was on campus. So the running back position for Georgia Really, really looking strong early in 2023. I like their chances to maybe land two out of the three of those guys that I just listed if it were to end the day. And Jake, one of the best in the business covering recruiting. We'll have you covered on all that over at Dogs HQ. And, and we'll have you covered this week with uh, with the preview of Georgia, Arkansas. We'll be coming at you later on, on the Dog Walk Talk with a preview of that game. For tonight, uh, Jake, is that it? I think that's it. So, for my man Palmer Toms, I'm Jake Roos. Get over to Dogs HQ, check us out. Thanks for tuning in to Dog Walk Talk. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.